1: He had to stick to what they called, quote unquote, the girl formula, which means there had to be at least three women for (laughs) Bond to seduce. gold diamonds and death a james bond podcast i'm your double o host jonathan watkins i'm a writer for all things under the cinema sense brand name and co-host of behind the sense podcast joining me each and every week for this endeavor co-founder of cinema sense co-host of the weekly podcast wreckitopia owner of cats um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep uh really loves the truman show i think he's got a poster behind him pretty uh, yeah uh, yeah
2: you're not lying
1: and he's a good friend of mine, Mr. Chris Atkinson. How Hello. are you doing? How's it
2: going? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. I am just pumped to talk about uh, James Bond going undercover mm-hmm. as a Japanese person. Yep. Um, and uh, helicopters. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yep. 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 So, so maybe we should just maybe we should just get into it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> This week we are talking about uh, You Only Live Twice is what we're talking about this week. It is the uh, the fifth official, uh, James, just, I, I just want to say, even though this is not visual, I said fifth official and held up my hand to Chris with four fingers up. <laughs> yep, yep, he did. That happened. It is the fifth official uh, in the Eon Pictures canon. Uh, it is the sixth film we are talking about because last week we talked about uh, the 1967 uh, spoof, I guess, is what we'll call it, uh, uh, adaptation of Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please, if you have not listened to that, please go back. That was a, that was a, that ended up being a much more fun movie to talk about than uh, than I thought it would be. Um, so yeah, so let's go ahead and start talking about You Only Live Twice, and mm-hmm. we'll kick off our first segment, which is called Eon. For Lux. This is a journey. I'm
2: going to make a movie. We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research.
3: I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on?
1: We are going to scour through the history of Eon Productions and give you all the highs and lows that went into the makings of these films. Uh, just uh, so everybody knows, I do get my information, some of it, from just online uh, searches and whatnot. Uh, if there's somebody I need to uh, give credit to, I definitely will. But I typically get it off stuff like that, or I also am reading a book right now called "Nobody Does It Better: The Complete Uncensored, Unauthorized Oral History of James Bond" by Mark A. Altman, and uh, it, that's a that's a high recommend because um, I, as much as I talk about what happened, that that book's got so much more in it, um, so high high recommend if it if that interests you. All right, so you only live twice, uh, which I actually kind of forgot how literal that title
2: is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and they they make it very, very, very literal by the time the movie's yeah. over. Which is
1: weird. And I'll get more into this when I talk about the book because that's not something that happens in the book. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. kind of odd that, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, they made it that specific. But, anyways, uh, You Only Live Twice, I already said it's the fifth film in the franchise. Obviously, the fifth film starring uh, uh, Sean Connery. Uh, we've only had two directors with the first four movies uh with this one though we're getting a brand new one his name is lewis gilbert mm-hmm. uh he turned this down um and then decided uh brockley albert Broccoli called him and uh, got him to change his mind or send a sent a letter through a pigeon i don't know yeah he, he
2: was hot off of alfie yes
1: yeah mm-hmm. that's what i was gonna say mm-hmm. uh he will be back, to. We will talk about him a couple more times. He mm-hmm. directs a couple of the Roger Moore films, one of which, The Spy Who Loved Me, uh, I'm excited to revisit because that is, that's always a fun one to talk about. And then he also wrote Moonraker, which I probably haven't seen in like 20 years.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then, like you just said, his film before this was Alfie, which was a very popular movie, uh, Michael Caine. Uh, and uh, they remade that movie, uh, with Russell Brand I've never seen it but Jude, did Jude Law that movie. Huh? Jude Law Jude Law, sorry What? Oh, Russell Brand was Arthur <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I got Arthur and Alfie. Yes, you use. did. <laughs> I haven't seen either of the remakes. Yeah, so.
2: Jude, it was Jude Law and Sienna Miller. I And I don't remember... <laughs> Russell Brick. don't remember too much about that Jude Law, Alfie at all. I didn't like it, though.
1: Yeah, that was around the time you were still working in a the theater, right? Mm-hmm. So you probably you probably saw that. I yet. did,
2: yep. Uh, I don't think
1: I've seen the original either. I really don't. Um, I don't think I have. I was looking at some stills from it and stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I just think that's what I missed. I've watched a lot of Michael From that era, because like Get Carter and uh, The Italian Job and stuff like that. But like, I don't think I've seen, I don't think I've seen Alfie. Mm -hmm. Might have to check that out. It's supposed to be a very, very good movie. So, yeah. So, Lewis Gilbert's our director. Uh, Roald Dahl, which I actually did know this at one point, but I had forgotten. Uh, Roald Dahl, who eventually would become very famous for writing children's novels. Yeah. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, The Witches. A bunch of these have been adapted. Uh, And, um, also had that weird like I always heard growing up that like he didn't actually like children, but I don't think like I think I found out that's not I mean, or at least he's never he never said that or something. I, yeah. I don't I don't remember what it was, but I remember that was always kind of a legend. Yeah. That, uh either we couldn't prove or just was bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought it was interesting too though, Dahl also would write the screenplay for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which mm-hmm. came out a year after this. And Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, also based on a novel by Ian Fleming, which is interesting. fascinating. It's just so funny that he wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never read Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I don't mm-hmm. think, maybe I read it when I was younger. I don't remember if I did. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. But uh, uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, so you, these are the guys behind the scenes, uh, new people. Uh, I What's his name? Richard uh, Maybaum uh, was approached. Uh, to work on this one, but he was not available. He was working on a different film. I don't remember. What, I didn't see. I didn't write down which one it was. Mm-hmm. But he was not available. And then they did have a draft by, um, hold on a second. They had a draft written by, it's either Sidney Bohm or Harold Jack Bloom, or it's both. I, I had conflicting stories about who wrote the first draft. Mm-hmm. But Those were two writers I saw mentioned. And these were drafts that, were based more on the original novel. And then Dahl hated the book. He referred to it as a travelogue. Uh, So he went in and just kind of redid everything. There were a few things that were kept from the original drafts. The opening with Bond's fake death was something that was written, was always in there, I guess, or some variation on it. And the ninja attack. Mm-hmm. um yeah there's ninjas mm-hmm. in this movie mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. but regardless uh roll Dahl ended up writing it Lewis Gilbert directed it it was released in the summer of 1967 it was a couple months after Casino Royale came out uh it made 111 million worldwide 43 of that was domestic which is about double what Casino Royale made almost uh so it was a little bit Casino Royale was a hit this was a bigger hit uh but even though it was a big hit, it was the first Bond film to hit a decline. It made less money than the previous film. Mm-hmm. And that had not happened. In the first four movies, each film made more than the one before it. But anyways, it still was a hit. It finished seventh that year at the box office. Uh, here were the six films ahead of it. I thought this was interesting. You had The Graduate was number one that year, mm-hmm. uh, which also won. No, that did not win Best Picture. And The Heat of the Night won Best Picture. Sorry. It was nominated for a bunch of stuff, though. Uh, Guess who's coming to dinner was number two, uh, Bonnie and Clyde, The Dirty Dozen. This is a really good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valley of the Dolls. I did not know was that big of a hit. Yeah, and uh, and that's not even beyond. I think that's just Valley mm-hmm. of the Dolls, and uh, To Serve with Love, which was also was a was a huge hit. But uh, yeah, so uh, You will Live Twice finished a, just right behind all those. Uh, this this is the first full appearance of Blofeld. Yeah, uh, we actually see Blofeld, uh played by Donald Pleasance. I just assume everybody knows who Donald Pleasance is because I watch Halloween films a lot. But uh, yeah, he's Sam Loomis, uh, my namesake on mm. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the uh, in the Halloween films, among like just a shit ton of other movies, he's been in a lot of movies.
2: And I guess they had another guy playing him for a while um, before Donald Pleasance came in. Like in this very movie they were shooting they had another guy being Blofeld throughout, and then they replaced that guy because they realized that he wasn't menacing enough or whatever.
1: Yeah, uh, that that guy is a Jan. Uh, it's W-E-R-I-C-H. Uh, Rick I guess. Uh, he was originally cast, and then, yeah, he was there for a minute, but Broccoli and Lewis Gilbert both realized that he was a bad choice uh, one of them, I, I couldn't figure out because it was all mixed together in a paragraph. But one of them said he was a poor benevolent Father Christmas. Yeah, yeah.
2: And they and in the uh, behind the scenes they show images of him, and I'm like, yeah, yeah that's not a that's not film. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Like our, our villain looks like Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, Pleasants had a bunch of ideas for the character. Uh, he he at first wanted to do a limp Okay. Uh, and then he wanted a beard and a lame hand. And this sounds, if you've ever seen an interview with Donald Pleasance, this is like the most Donald Pleasance thing mm-hmm. I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they finally, I guess they all agreed that they would do the scar. I love that makeup by the way. Yeah, That's, uh, that's some really, really good makeup. Mm-hmm. And then, so we've got that Sean Connery of course is back for his fifth uh, performance. Uh, he did announce his retirement. Uh, while they were filming, he and retirement from this character. Yep. And uh, he does, obviously, we know he comes back. They do it. They're, we're going to talk about Honor, Majesty, Secret Service next week, which he's not in. But then he comes back for Diamonds Are Forever. And then, of course, he does come back eventually and do the non-canon uh, Never Say Never Again. So he still gets to play him a couple more times, but this is, initially, this was supposed to be the last.
2: Yeah, they were at the end of his contract on this yeah. movie. And, um... Uh, they were actually worried they may not even get the movie started with uh before yeah. his contract was done uh but they they got it in pretty quick but but yeah he he did the unusual thing of announcing while shooting that he was this is yeah. gonna be the last time yeah, yeah.
1: he was like uh bernie mack uh uh, retiring from baseball right after he got his 3,000th even <laughs> yep. though it was like, even yep. though it was like halfway through the season, and just <laughs> like just Bernie
2: like... Mac, he came back just for one more movie that <laughs> <laughs> totally wasn't worth it.
1: Yeah, Mister Three Thousand Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, but seriously, uh, yeah. And it's funny though because of all the adaptations, Sean Connery does, wasn't in. It's crazy that he wasn't in on Her Majesty's Secret Service because I think for the third time in a row that was supposed to be the next mm-hmm. movie cuz yep. it was supposed to be the next movie well it's supposed to be the next movie after well maybe it's the second cuz it was supposed to be the next movie goldfinger after goldfinger that they
2: start yeah it's definitely goldfinger where they say honor majesty secret service that's was, right yeah although they may i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out if they've changed that for home video where they've they've corrected that uh, because I, I don't re- I don't remember that being at the end of Goldfinger, but maybe it was when I watched it yeah. recently. But it was definitely at the end of the original print of Goldfinger that yeah. that uh, Honor Majesty Secret Service was next,
1: which they didn't do because they they didn't feel like they had time to go scout Switzerland and all that stuff. Even though they ended up shooting a scene in Thunderball in Switzerland, which is mm-hmm. kind of funny. But uh, same thing happens here. There, well, I think by the time they were going to start shooting. Uh, the weather wasn't going to be what they wanted it to be in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. I think it was going to be a little warmer. I can't, I, what, I don't know what the seasons in Switzerland are, but uh, it was. I think it was going to be a little warmer or something, so it wouldn't have really uh, been feasible. So once again, they're not doing Honor, Majesty, Secret Service, and they do You Only Live Twice. I debated, especially in the book section, how much I'm going to talk about this. And so, so some of this I'm going to say I'm going to save to talk about next week because... If there's anyone listening out there that's watching these movies for the first time as we're talking about them, I definitely don't want to give something away in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. But in the book order, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is right before You Only Live Twice. So You Only Live Twice is dealing with a lot of huge things that happen in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. So it makes sense that they would have sa- they would have done it in that order, but mm-hmm. they decided not to. So all they ended up doing was they changed a lot uh In the book, um, which was basically the the book, you only live twice, is straight up just a revenge story, mm-hmm. and and there's a big reason for that. If you've seen Honor Majesty's Secret Service, you know what it is. If you haven't, you will find out if you mm-hmm. watch it. You know before we talk about it. So I'll get into some of that later too, but I still will talk some about some things in the book. But I just didn't want to spoil that. But that's the weirdest thing about them doing You Only Live Twice before they do Honor Majesty Secret Service. Uh the volcano set, which is uh really well remembered, although I always think it's in Doctor No, but the one I remember is actually from this movie. Uh it was originally supposed to be what they were calling a shore fortress. So they were looking like for a castle, like yep. by the sea. But because they actually shot this movie on location in Japan, uh that was the thing that the Japanese don't do. They don't have like large houses. Uh, uh right by the sea i i don't i didn't really read into why but that's just at least at that time that just wasn't a possibility mm-hmm. uh so they went with the volcano set which probably maybe was the better idea anyways because that set is really fun mm-hmm. uh interesting just behind i don't know if you heard this story there was a the people that went and did the location scouting uh for a few weeks they were supposed to come back on a on a flight to the uk. Did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's in the behind so the scenes. This was, yeah, March 5th of 1966. But they decided to stay an extra day because they wanted to watch this ninja demonstration. Yep. And uh, that flight crashed, mm-hmm. and uh, they would have all died. I mean, if if it went the same way it did when it crashed, because nobody lived, nobody survived the flight.
2: Mm-hmm. So it was just And there was another flight things. right after that. That mm-hmm. they were supposed to get on that crashed. I think there were like two different crashes. Yeah, and
1: and I'm sure like that's one of those things where I'm like I I know because I'm not I'm not I'm not a fan of flying. I do fly. I mean I I won't not fly if it makes sense. I'm not driving 30 hours. I mean I'm gonna fly, but I don't like it. And you always hear that stat. You know it's safer than driving a car, which. I guess technically is true, but then you hear about something like this, and you're like, I mean, just because technically that's true doesn't mean you couldn't be possibly in potentially two crashes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, it's just it's insane. So uh, Ted Moore, who was the cinematographer, director of photography, whatever, uh, he had done uh, Doctor No, he had done For Russia with Love, and Go- he he had done the previous four mm-hmm. uh, Bond films. Mm-hmm. wasn't available. He's doing A Man for All Seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have to go get somebody else so freddie young mm-hmm. um is the person who actually did the cinematography here and um that was a pretty big get this is a guy that did Lawrence of arabia which might be mm-hmm. the best shot film ever maybe, maybe. very well
2: maybe <laughs> like there's uh, not much
1: discussion chris's favorite movie dr Zhivago. yeah um, absolutely
2: watch it every day <laughs> Gets me, gets me. It's it's just like drinking coffee for for a lot of it people, really like me. It's Dr. Zhivago.
1: It's interesting though. They don't they don't get him back. Uh, he never comes back and does another one. And he doesn't really. There might be one in here. I'm just not aware of but Like everything, like post you only live twice. Definitely not as big. I mean, there's some big movies in here. Like he did Ryan's Daughter, which was David Lane, but I don't think that was like a huge mm-hmm. success or anything. But they, but I'm sure they're still beautiful to look at. Whatever yeah uh he's doing he uh he passed away in 1998 but his last film was a uh, sword of the valiant from 1984 which i have actually seen i think under a different title is that no 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 the, i was thinking of a different movie. but
2: yeah freddie young is definitely known more for the lean stuff and the absolutely you, the, especially lawrence of arabia and everything and he was a huge and, uh, definitely a huge get for this movie
1: yeah absolutely i mean i mean ted moore's done a wonderful job mm-hmm. uh but yeah, no, Freddie, Freddie Young, he he knocked it out of the park. And we, I just mentioned how the entire the the majority of the shooting was in Japan. They did shoot like they did some interiors at Pinewood Studios, and they shot one sequence. They shot the explosions in Spain uh, because they couldn't get permission mm-hmm. uh, to do it in Japan. Um, so, but the movie itself just takes place in Japan, which is interesting because usually with these all the films up to now have several locations typically mm-hmm. uh multiple locations whereas this one was just straight up in japan it's kind of like the really elaborate version of a bottle episode of a tv show mm-hmm. a James Bond franchise uh doll was going back to roll doll he was given like pretty much free reign on the script like they weren't making him stick to the novel and They were kind of letting him do what he wanted, but I did find it interesting that apparently they did tell him he had to stick to what they called, quote, unquote, the girl formula, uh, which means there had to be at least three women for (laughs) Bond to seduce. Uh, Also, there had to be an ally and a henchwoman who both get killed. Like, these are rules that they had for these movies, which Mm -hmm. is... Just out of all the things you would make somebody put in that seems like the least important but that's what they were focused on <sighs> yeah uh, it's crazy mm-hmm. at uh, least there's
2: st- at least they're finally uh, they finally stopped referring to uh the uh, in the credits continuity girl they're just saying continuity now <laughs> so at least there's one step forward i guess yes
3: <laughs>
1: yes almost as almost as big of a deal as women getting the right to vote was it was the... very close to that yes <laughs> oh man uh there was also a mention doll said that he really got along with lewis gilbert he said lewis gilbert was because he because Dahl actually wrote a few screenplays like mm-hmm. which i don't know if a lot of people think of him for that since he's more known for the children's books but Dahl said gilbert was the only director he ever worked with that just shot what was on the page like he mm-hmm. didn't really uh he didn't really want to change much he would ask questions and stuff or they would work on stuff together mm-hmm. but like he pretty much was just like i want to shoot your script and so roll Dahl was like loved him of course mm-hmm. i think as any writer probably would and then uh, some of the other actors, real quick, uh, Karen Dorr plays Helga Brandt. Uh, a bunch of other European models were auditioning for that role. She was the one that ended up getting it. Uh, I mostly know her from, or the only thing I could remember her from was uh, she was in Hitchcock's uh, Topaz. Mm. Uh, which I never is saw not, that. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, and let, you know, I just, eventually I feel like I should watch all of Hitchcock's movies, but... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like go out of my way for it. It's not that great. hmm. Uh, Mia, I, I'm just not Mia, it's M I E. So, yeah, Mihama, my, I think. Mihama, uh, plays Kissy. Yep. That's it. And that's in the book, too. That's her name is like mm-hmm. Kissy Rodriguez. Or no, not Rodriguez. It's, uh, Kissy Suzuki. Okay. Was her full name. I don't know if they ever say that in the movie, but yeah, she might I don't remember that her, either. Uh, Toshirō Mifune, a is it Mifune? Uh, these names are going to be awful, but uh, Toshirō Mifune, who is probably most known for his work with Akira Kurosawa.
2: Why are we bringing him? Oh, up?
1: he was. Oh, sorry, I'm bringing him up. He's not in the movie, but he was offered the role of Tiger oh, Tanaka. Okay, I was wondering because I, I, yeah. I actually,
2: I was getting Toshirō Mifune, Mifune or whatever how his yeah. name is. I was getting that kind of vibe from him, yeah. but I was like, I was like, it's not him. So I was like.
1: no it's not Mm -hmm. it's uh this guy named tetsuro tamba uh, Mm i ended up getting cast but dashira was was sought after first but he was filming grand prix which i've never seen but i know that's a 60s Mm -hmm. uh a a movie but uh but yeah so he was he was originally going to play the part but couldn't do it so they got tetsuro tamba who's who's very good Mm -hmm. Uh, i love that name i love tiger tanaka it's a cool yeah yeah uh we already mentioned the majority of the film was shot mostly on location. Uh, they had a lot of crowd issues when they were shooting in Japan. There'd be like a ton of people just watching them shoot Mm -hmm. and would be loud during shots and stuff like that. And it got to the point too, where I think Connery had a fan that just decided to follow him around for a few days. And Mm. they finally, they finally took care of that. Uh, they had a lot of issues with that mini helicopter scene, yeah. which I have a lot of issues with that mini helicopter scene, but, Mm -hmm. uh, a cameraman severed his foot Yeah, the on, guy's, the, uh, on the rotor on the blade
2: yeah johnny Jordan is his name uh uh and and they they said that there's a there's a scene where like the, i think it's the updraft of one of the helicopter blades mm-hmm. causes a problem and that's the reason why his leg gets in the way of one of the propellers and uh and the director said something to the effect that being the true cameraman he was he he pointed the camera down towards his leg to show the leg <laughs> severed and everything this guy was apparently like gave no fucks whatsoever and like um and unfortunately in the next i think it's after a couple of more movies he he falls to his death uh later on uh johnny i, Jordan. Did,
1: I did not i did not hear that that's interesting it's like another it's a bond movie
2: not in not in a Bond movie, but oh, okay. but in another movie later, he's he's doing an aerial thing and he falls.
1: I did read he came back and was still yeah he was still shooting movies after this, but they they so they they actually in Japan they reattached the foot, mm-hmm. but then when he got back to the UK they just amputated it. again. Yeah, he was like said, I don't,
2: yeah. I'm in so much pain, just go ahead and cut yeah. it off.
1: And so he had a pro, but then it said he shot other movies with a using a prosthetic foot. But no, I, I didn't see that he died. Yeah, uh, he died after. not
2: too long after this, unfortunately. God, that's failed was well, death. Clear-
1: yeah, clearly he wasn't really afraid of of, of doing anything. So. Mm-hmm. That's that's just fascinating. Uh, John Barry, last couple of things. John Barry's back to handle the music. Uh, Nancy Sinatra uh, sings the movie's theme song "You Only Live Twice," which while not great is so much better than Thunderball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it, it kind of becomes better because of that. Um mm-hmm. there was a different title song recorded by Julie Rogers, but it was cut. But they did keep two of the lines for the for the of uh, uh, for the for your eyes only song. They they kept two of the lines from that song. But uh yeah. Uh review wise, this one was just kind of meh. Like nobody really and like once again like uh and I, I think that's a lot of the there's something about this movie that even when it works, it's not very, it's just not very memorable. Mm -hmm. Like it's just not one that I don't know. I don't know. It's, but, but, but the reviews kind of hit that like where, like it's okay, but it feels a little formulaic. That was kind of the main uh, thing with the reviews. It does have 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. Average review is 6.5 out of 10. So Mm -hmm. it has gained a little bit of reappreciation. Uh, IGN ranked it as the fourth best Bond film uh, a while back. Uh, Entertainment Weekly ranked it as the second best what? Film at one point. Yeah. What, what? And I think that was right before the Craig films came out if I read that date right. I mean,
2: uh, look, there is a there is a thing about the Bond movies. There's not a high bar to clear on some of these, right? Like, it makes sense that some of these movies yeah. might sneak in. Second all time, man. I, know, I mean, even rough. before the Craig, that's still well, high.
1: And I don't know if it was just one person or if it was a group of people that voted. I don't know mm-hmm. how they did that, because I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, no, That, that that's ridiculously mm-hmm. high. It's not the second best... Sean Connery films, no, that, like Bond films, not at so, all. Um, I mean, there might be arguments; it's the third, but it's mm-hmm. definitely not the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you're putting this ahead of, uh, um, from Russia with Love and Goldfinger, I, I just don't understand. No, it makes anyways, no sense. Uh, and this was also the last appearance of Peter Hunt uh, as as an editor uh, mm. in 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 a Bond movie. So, uh, which I think he's kind of. Maybe underappreciated a little bit, although I will say Thunderball could have used a lot more editing than it got, but, uh, and maybe this one too. Um, I didn't even look at the time on this one though. Yeah, it's under it? two hours. Yeah. It's, oh, that's right. No, I do remember now. It's like right under two hours. It's like 117 minutes or something, mm-hmm. uh, which is like 20 minutes shorter than than thunderball was. So good for you. You only live twice. Yeah. That'll be, that'll that'll wrap up that segment and we're kind of already talking about the movie a little bit. So let's go ahead and go into
2: a review to a kill. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you.
3: What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why
1: don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've
3: heard this shit before.
1: This is a segment where we give you our thoughts on whatever film we're discussing this week. This week we are discussing You Only Live Twice. Chris, what's kind of like your overall feelings towards... You only live twice.
2: At the beginning of this movie, I was like, "Why do I hate this movie?" cuz I remember watching it <laughs> and and thinking, "Well, this was I, I was like this was not one of the more stellar entries that I had ever watched before." And in the first of it, I was like, "You know what? I'm kind of getting into this. This fake death at the beginning. There's the, you know, uh, you know, the sort of this undercover thing. I kind of like that." But then you realize the undercover stuff doesn't really factor very much. It's not. It's not a big no. deal. Um, they think he's dead, but there's not anything that Blofeld does in the movie that he wouldn't have done if Bond was still alive like you like that it feels like when you have a fake death at the beginning you should have that be something where like oh blofeld would never try to pull this off with bond still alive Mm -hmm. but he was already doing this with bond alive so i don't know because that's the very first scene of the movie is him capturing Mm -hmm. that satellite and making it look like it was the russians and all this um it's also surprising to me plot wise because i think we all we go all the way back to dr no this was the exact same thing that specter tried to do in dr no where they yeah. tried to get the russians and the americans to fight or was it the russian the british to fight i can't remember but it they don't sit there and think oh it could be specter like we should know specter is capable of this type of stuff by now but yet the americans and the russians are fighting over the possible like 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 the russians would put out a a ship that says cccp on it and go out (laughs) and try to capture a satellite i just i i you know that that stuff blew my mind speaking of which going back to that there is a
1: lot of stuff in space in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me. Talk about like a movie that gets forgotten because everybody talks about Moonraker, which Moonraker came at, Moonraker was made the way it was because of Star Wars. Yeah. So definitely that's an influence. And I don't think Star Wars was influenced by, by you only live twice, but you only live twice. I just thought it was interesting that you only live twice is almost as much of a space movie as Moonraker is, mm-hmm. but nobody ever talks about it that way, which yeah. is, which is kind of interesting to me. That was, that's the thing I always forget. I forget. I've only seen this probably like three or four times in my whole life. Cause mm-hmm. this wasn't one. I really remember being on a lot when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I watched it at least once. And then, like I said, I know I watched it a few years ago, but like, I, this might be the only two times I've ever seen it until now. Yeah. Um, but I for, completely forgot about the space stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, our, our basic, yeah, it's very similar to Doctor No in that in that regard, like what Blofeld's doing and everything.
2: I mean, so the so so there's that there's that part of it that I'm yeah. that I the, then the 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 part where he must become Japanese, like that's not even a factor in this movie. The only thing no. the only thing that they and it maybe it's so that th- there there's a real like time disparity thing here where i guess we're supposed to believe he's been living there for weeks or something like that but no maybe no it, it, i'm getting to the thing here oh, where it, we're supposed to think that he, he's supposed yeah. to be there for weeks i guess undercover as a japanese man mm-hmm. but he gets to the island, and that funeral is happening right mm-hmm. as they get to the island, and then they they have the whole thing where he's like, you know, hey, we're married, we're having a honeymoon, we should be sleeping together, and all yep. that, and uh, and she's like, no, no, this is all business, and then the next morning, she's like, remember that funeral? That was uh, that was some woman who went to a cave, and and blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. And I was like, okay, so he's been Japanese for all of one day, and then he's not Japanese yeah. anymore. The only thing I can I can think of, but they never explicitly say it in the movie, is he had to be had to look Japanese to be on that island, or else they wouldn't have accepted him. Maybe, but they don't say that. Like, it seems like to me that he could just have snuck in and 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 have lived in this one place, and it would have been fine. The further further thing that really makes no sense is that she's she's this woman this uh, kissy that he's married for one day um is is saying oh remember that funeral the next morning i'm like why didn't you just say the fun that she was caught outside this cave this mysterious <laughs> cave as cool. soon as you found out about that because if you're all business like you're saying you could have brought that up early and we wouldn't have even had to have the whole like sleeping like sleeping arrangements and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff in this movie that sounds like they had an idea for something and they had to put something in to build it to, to to make to justify it, but it really none of this stuff makes any sense overall. So in the end, uh I thought this was one of the dumber entries I've seen of of James Bond. The Ken Adams set is well worth uh mm-hmm. watching it for because that's amazing and they sent apparently uh he's he he comes up with the idea of this volcano lair and uh and, and uh, uh cubby broccoli's like how much is it gonna cost and he's like i don't know a million dollars <laughs> okay you got a million dollars and so they make this set that apparently has more steel in it than the hilton that they built in london <laughs> or whatever um and And then, like, then there was a a worry that they wouldn't be able to light it. And then Freddie Young comes in and apparently uses every light at uh, at uh, whatever. What's the Pinewood? Pinewood. They use every light there at Pinewood to light that studio. Anyway, I thought this was (laughs) a dumb entry. A lot. There's a lot of things in it just doesn't doesn't fly as far as plot wise. Like we got to do this. We got to make you a ninja for some reason. He's he's there for one day. There's one day. He's there for one day. And they're like, you have two more days of ninja training. And I was like, I understand he's a secret agent, so he probably doesn't need very much ninja training. But two days to become a ninja? <laughs> I mean, and then the ninjas like... are worthless, too. Like, like it doesn't make much sense of no. why they're ninjas at all. So, anyway. It takes like five or six years just to get
1: like a black belt. Like, I, I can't imagine how long it takes to be an ofi- I don't know how I don't two know days. how you become an official ninja. Two it takes days two days. days. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess I should like because I've been pretty bad. I I always feel bad afterwards these last few. I don't we we don't necessarily go in and explain the plot, uh, and I definitely wouldn't want to. A lot of times with Bond films, that would take a lot of you know. We would have to sit here just for an hour, just giving mm. plot details. But the basic premise is that Bond is sent to Japan after there's an American and a Soviet crewed spacecraft that go missing. And you mentioned that where there's like this scene in space where there's like this, like this like jaws mm-hmm. <laughs> like space shuttle that opens up like a mouth and then yep. like eats them or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, Spectre they find out is uh, working for the government. Uh, they don't name the Asian power. A lot of people think it's supposed to be the people's Republic of China, but they don't ever say that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's who Spectre is working for. Uh, to, to, to to do all this, so um, it opens in space, like we said, and then you just kind of go from, and then it's just basically it's it's Bond in Japan trying to hide for a while, and then trying to uh, 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 take out Blofeld or you know foil Blofelds. Uh, Well, it kills
2: me they don't even think of specter for the longest time like they just say oh this seemed like it came out of the south china sea and yeah and uh you know which why doesn't every government know that i i I, how how they can't keep track of a whatever and then uh, to me again we've we've had five years of specter being behind things and nobody thinks specter might be might be doing this you know anyway i i think I think
1: overall, though, my opinion, I, I, I think it's I think it's fine. Like I don't I I'd put it kind of on the same level as Thunderball, but but there are different reasons why it works and different reasons why it doesn't. But I think overall, it's fine. I just it's just I, I was actually thinking about weirdly enough while I was watching this, I was like, this is like the Star Trek Insurrection of the Connery bond films where it's a movie that I don't think anybody like hates it. I mean, I'm sure there are people that hate it, but Mm -hmm. like just in general, when I've talked to people about bond, this is just a movie that's just never brought up. Like, it's not that people hate it. It's, it's not that they even dislike it, but it's just, I just don't think anyone ever thinks about it. It's for whatever reason, it's super there's forgettable. No,
2: there's nothing in this movie that is super, like, there's nothing, there's even the fights are not are not a big deal. There's like, the, no. you would think that, you know, you put ninjas in it, you would have, like, this is another thing. I, The ninja thing, I was like, okay, definitely you want to have help uh, when you raid this volcano lair. You want to have this kind of thing. When we go to the the ninja base on this like fortress or whatever, they're doing all this stuff with swords and they're throwing ninja stars and all yeah. this stuff. And then when it becomes the volcano lair, they suddenly they're like guns everywhere. <laughs> they we don't see them shoot guns anywhere on the in the ninja lair. Like like I I totally understand. Like if I set a movie in the 60s, uh, in Japan, I'm definitely putting ninjas in it. I'm definitely yeah. putting ninjas in it. They, know, they want they wanted that. I understand. That. I can understand the audience appeal of that. But then, they actually don't really do much ninja stuff in no. there. They're just they're just soldiers with guns, like all the other movies.
1: I'm wondering, like I because I I will say like maybe there were movies in the 70s. I'm forgetting, but I remember like for this time period, like obviously you had the like period pieces with like Kurosawa did and stuff like seven samurai Mm -hmm. where you've got like the samurai and the ninjas. But like, I I just don't know how mainstream of a thing. And this almost feels like bond kind of started this because like when we were younger, like especially like early eighties, there were so many, like there were like ninja compounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I mean, as a kid, I just kind of thought that was the thing. Like you go to Japan or whatever, And there's just these compounds where and maybe there are. But like Mm. I just know in the movies, like that was such a big thing, especially like with like your Bronson and your Chuck Norris movies and all the stuff that was coming out around that time. But when I was watching this, I was actually thinking about that. Like, I wonder if this is kind of where a lot of this started.
2: I think you might be right though, because I'm looking at like like ninja movies. Like there were a lot of them in Japan, but like the first American one that pops up is the Killer Elite. In 19, 1975. And then, of course, a ton later. um, And then, like, uh, let's see, like, um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like in Japanese cinema there was quite a few. And then in, let's see, 19, it, it, there was sort of a, it sort of died out in the 60s and then came back in the 80s. Interesting. Um, So maybe you're right. Maybe this was sort of a, a well, sort of a, a thing that it kind of brought back into consciousness of some sort. At yeah. least
1: for like American mm-hmm. American cinema, yeah. But like that's the only thing I could think of. There was a few things like that in here. There was also there was the giant magnet. And I was like, <laughs> is that something we've seen before this? Cause like that that was a common Mm -hmm. and what a weird trope but like that Mm -hmm. was a really common thing like these electromagnets Mm -hmm. that just came out of like it would just lift everything up
2: yeah of Uh, course they of course yeah they (laughs) it works in this if it had been bond it would not have worked but like that was a car that was chasing bond and they they use the magnet and they throw it into the ocean and you know if if that had been bond you would have seen bond getting out of the car and all that these guys they're dead immediately (laughs) (laughs)
1: but uh there was some stuff like that i actually and i heard somebody on a on a podcast in like the last couple years it might have been right around when uh right around when no time to die came out i wish i could remember what i was listening to but somebody was talking about how bond used to one thing that was that's kind of missing from the current bonds is that bond used to be almost like an innovator uh with a lot of things which Mm -hmm. makes sense because i mean Honestly, Bond is what kind of created the what we know as the blockbuster. It was a very early version of it, but it kind of you know throughout you know other other it along with other movies kind of helped that. And I kind of got that impression watching this with like the magnet and mm-hmm. the ninjas and stuff. But then like even like as early as like the mid seventies though, you're already getting to where Bond is actually copying what's around it. Like you yep. get the black exploitation film, and you mm-hmm. get the you get the Star Wars bond and stuff like that you get you know so i i don't know so i i feel like that's one thing about these early movies it's a little stronger is because they are creating uh, a lot of the guidelines and a lot of the tropes and they're not trying to be other popular uh things because there's nothing else out there like this right Mm -hmm. but then you get to like you know the craig films and they're doing like you know they're doing like uh jason bourne kind of stuff and and even like Dalton, I've I've heard that like uh, license to kill, uh I've heard people refer to as like if what if Joel Silver produced
2: a Bond film? You sure. Know? <laughs> yeah, I mean those those two Daltons are so eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just drugs. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, just like Miami Vice and drugs and mm-hmm. just that's it's just how they feel. Yeah. No. So I agree. So that that was interesting to me. Um, I love Pleasants. Love Donald Pleasance. Mm-hmm. But that's not that odd. I mean, he's always but he's yep. just so just I just I that guy I, I don't know. I that's a guy I wish I could have talked to before he passed away. Because right. I bet he's just a fascinating person to have a conversation with. Yeah. Because he is just unhinged in just about anything he does. Um, it's like it's funny getting older and rewatching him in Halloween and I'm sitting there thinking like, how did anyone let this guy near anybody? Cause mm-hmm. like, he's insane. Like he yeah. uses kids as bait mm-hmm. against Michael, against Michael
2: Myers. It doesn't yeah. think twice about it. Well, it's, well, and this is after like shooing kids away from the house and everything. Yeah. <laughs> he then he uses them as bait later. So oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. No, He like, if you watch Halloween five, like he totally like sets, sets a uh, Lord, uh, 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 Jamie, the Jamie, the, uh, Daniel, uh, Paris, yeah daniel harris's character uh, he totally sets her up and like tries to lure michael like out of the shadows so it's oh it's terrible mm-hmm. but uh but also very just very funny uh but yeah no he's he's great i love the makeup but but the main thing about this movie is it just it just fucking looks amazing like it's just and it's i, I think it's a mix of Ken adams obviously but then you've also got uh uh, Freddie, was it Young?
2: Freddie Young, yep.
1: Yeah, Freddie Young. And I just, I, that's the thing that took my, took, that's the thing that got me uh, when I was watching it a couple nights ago was that like, like I could just look at this movie forever. Um, and if you had asked me prior to doing this, like, what do you think the best looking Connery Bond is? I think I probably would have said like Goldfinger, maybe mm-hmm. from Russia with Love. But I think it might be this one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we we've got to rewatch Diamonds Are Forever. I don't I don't see that overtaking this. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it's a bad looking movie, but this one just I don't know. There just seemed to be such time and uh, care spent with how every scene looked. Also, being on location helped, obviously. Yep. Uh, and then when you're indoors, you've got these great you know Ken Adams sets that are fun mm-hmm. to mess around with. Uh, this might be my favorite bad guy. Uh, a layer, even though it is kind of similar to Dr. No, I love the piranha tank. Yep. Yep. Uh,
2: Complete with a bridge that you can just <laughs> press a button and have them yes. fall into the water. So yeah. great. Mm
1: mm-hmm. um, I almost like, I've never like looked up like, but I, I know piranhas can't, will eat you. So, I mean, I'm sure, it, I'm sure that is pretty, Close to what they actually do, but I don't know. I've always been curious.
2: I, I imagine. I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know. But I thought the skeleton eyes somebody in a matter of seconds was a myth. So uh, yeah, no, maybe... I think
1: that's a myth. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. But it, but it makes for a good visual. I guess it's
2: it's kind of too bad. I mean, I guess it's I guess it's a classic thing of all Bond movies is to kill off a lot of the Bond girls. But like, yeah. uh, you know this this one what's what's the character's name that dies in the piranha tank um oh which one i'm just it's ridiculous. helga that dies in the yeah, piranha yeah, yeah. tank yeah like there she's barely given anything to do yeah. uh in all of this um they <laughs> much like a lot of bond girls in past uh you know she's tasked to kill bond but then she has to sleep with him, and then um and then she uh she gets into a helicopter to to uh this weird contraption she sets off in in the back seat for Bond to get cat gets caught in and she parachutes out and she just expects the helicopter to to you know to crash yeah. while he's like I'm sitting there just going man there's so many different ways you could have killed him pre- between now and and this point and of course she fails and then the whole thing Blofeld is like you know, this is what happens. Uh, we don't allow failure here in Spectre and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's uh, once again, once uh, this probably has the most egregious not killing of Bond ever at the end mm-hmm. with Blofeld uh, killing his henchmen. Uh, and it's one of those, again, where it's like, okay, he's going to kill Bond now and somebody's going to save him, but whatever. He's going to kill Bond now, but you know, he kills his henchmen And then, oh, it's weird. Inexplicably, allows Bond to live for another twenty seconds before he gets on his like helicopter or his uh, escape pod or whatever he's doing, and then tries to kill Bond. (laughs) Like, why did why did we have to wait for the twenty seconds? It's all so that he can Uh, be saved, obviously. But like, I'm sitting there going. You had a chance to kill him there, oh, and I crazy. was like, okay, there must be some reason that you're not killing him now, and then 20 seconds later, he's ready to kill him when he's getting yeah. on his whatever, so. Fucking
1: nuts. Um, that's, you were talking about, though, I thought it was funny you were talking about Connery, which I guess maybe that's, I don't know. You are talking about Connery, uh, or talking about how Bond, you know, the everything was just like, he goes and sleeps with Helga or whatever and all that stuff. But I, I had listened, I had read where people were talking about people who have opinions that Connery's kind of like you can see in his performance that he's just kind of getting tired of the role. And I didn't notice it at first in this one, but I will say, thinking back, the scenes where I really noticed that weren't working, as, and I don't know how well they worked in the past, but he doesn't really seem to be that into the. Uh, the frat the fraternizing like the flirting and stuff like he has mm-hmm. in the past mm-hmm. so like when they have the and maybe he just didn't have chemistry with these actors i don't know but like i don't know the the scenes where he's kind of, he's trying to seduce somebody feel like really forced and like mm-hmm. like I, I don't know it's just and it's like and it's like he doesn't even really seem to care like mm-hmm. you know the way he's playing those i just noticed that in those scenes that seemed a little different uh and that could be for a lot of reasons it could have been the way it was written yeah uh you know because Dahl obviously thought it was stupid that he had to make sure he had three women that, mm-hmm. you know uh and all that kind of stuff so i don't know and then like you said that girl dying just feels so stupid but then that's also in the, the like the couple of rules they gave Dahl was there's yeah. got to be a hench woman it's that I'm gets s- killed
2: that's what i'm saying like it's just but she didn't get a chance to do anything really and She's then not a character and and uh and the same goes for Aki, who they yeah. I think they feel like they only kill because they need to get Kissy in on the in the movie. Yeah. Um Well and Kissy's the
1: only one from the book. The other two were created. Mm-hmm. Uh so but
2: Aki is is there and she's awesome for the most part. I'm glad yeah, that she great. gets a lot of stuff to do in this, but then practically for no reason at all, the an assassin comes in and misses <laughs> Bond because of some weirdness and uh just like uh, they make fun of i guess in gross point blank later doing the exact same uh thing (laughs) they drop the poison on the string and they and then something happens where like bond bond is like uh has to change over in bed he has to like put like uh you know he has to move while he's in bed and then she gets right underneath the string and gets a drop of poison It's like yep bye Aki. you're done you're we have to <laughs> we have to get the third bond girl in here somehow so let's do that
1: well I understand why you have to be so like like that poison has to drip that way and that slowly I mean it it's ridiculous like mm-hmm. I, there's not like a better way to transport that poison I don't yeah yeah like I don't even know how you could aim it that well and it just looks like a giant loogie like coming out of the- it does it's so gross. But yeah, I, I think overall though, uh, we could probably get to the rankings here in a second. I don't know that I have much more to say about this because there's just not a lot to say about it. Like it's it, it does it kind of weirdly feels like if like if you could have a bottle movie, I guess, in a franchise that's kinda of, and I feel like all the bonds, at least at least the four main ones, the ones that did four or more movies, I feel like they all have this movie that's just it's it it's not really it's not like so bad. It's interesting to talk about, or so good. It's interesting to talk about. It's just right there. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a Ron
2: Howard, mm-hmm. <laughs> James Bond. It me? is. It is.
1: Well, and I think part of it too. I mean, you know, we talked about like uh, how nice of a guy Lewis Gilbert was, and how he was very just, you know, oh, that's what you want to do. Let's just do that. You know, mm-hmm. oh, let's just go with what's in the script, and maybe that has something to do with it because he, you know, it it doesn't really seem to have like a. Like there's not like a there's nothing unique behind it. Like there's not like and it. I don't know. I don't know if that if that's right. But like no,
2: I, it's just like uh uh you know when you hear about people who get directing gigs on TV, yeah. it's like they're yeah. not really direct, They're not really doing much other than just ensuring certain things happen. Uh, the showrunners are the real people who are deciding what's happening on the show. So they can exactly. get any they can get any director a lot of times. I mean direct there are some directors who have over the years gotten a lot of uh credit for how a show looks a lot mm-hmm. of times, or if they they're like a particularly good action director. They're like, Okay, this guy do, does a really good job with mm-hmm. the action and so forth, but most of the time on TV series and things like that, it's like it's not really them in charge of very much. And I get the sense that after four Bonds, that yeah. the, the the director is kind of there to just ensure what the producers want. And, and that's honestly, it. Honestly,
1: that, that really might be the case moving forward because I, you know, like that's... Director is just not something I think about, you know, with the no. Bond movies. I mean, and the producers... And, and that's why, that's partly why, like there are reasons... We've never gotten like a Steven Spielberg Bond movie or mm-hmm. a Quentin Tarantino Bond movie because there's no way that they would get the control they normally have because the you know the Broccoli's and uh, Saltzman's and whatnot you know they really they are the ones that control this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not the director. So in, I think that's fact, one thing. About I'm not the Bond even films. sure
2: if I'm not even sure if directors even become a factor. In this until maybe Martin Campbell maybe uh, comes up because that's yeah. that's sort of like he's the one who's sort of uh credited for getting Bond back to bond with Golden Eye. and then he's also the yeah. director on uh, Casino Royale as well. That's true. that's true. and and so it's that he's sort of given credit for kind of like revamping. Uh, and everything but uh, I don't know I mean when you look and at the if you look at a director's work outside of Bond like how much of that is is just I don't know how much of that is him that's in the movie
1: exactly because I remember like you know Sam Mendez when he did did he do Skyfall yeah I remember when that hand came up people were, were giving him credit we're talking about like oh yeah Sam Mendez brings a little more visual flair but but honestly like I like I It didn't seem any different to me. Like, other, I mean, like Mendez is a great director. I'm Mm -hmm. not, I'm not, but I mean, but I wasn't like walking out of Skyfall going, wow, that was so Sam Mm Mendez.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, he probably shot it better than. You know, maybe yeah. You're some not sitting there wouldn't. thinking
2: of like American Beauty and Road no. to Perdition and all these no. movies when you're watching those Bond movies.
1: Yeah, I don't like the director is not something with the Bond films that really ever, in my mind, stands out. I mean, there are there are better looking ones like this one, but I think that has just as much to do with young and.
2: Yeah, I get the sense that most most times that you most times that you watch a movie, watch a Bond movie the the stuff that the director gets credit for on those movies are more behind the scenes than yeah yeah than sure. any than what you see on screen a lot of times like do we think that this movie would be any different if guy hamilton did it you know yeah. i mean it's it, it doesn't seem like <laughs> it terrence would be young yeah or terrence young it doesn't really seem like it would be no i mean no. It, it could be some subtle things but Overall, it just looks like the same stuff that we've been seeing. So
1: uh, so again, unless you have anything else to say, we can get into the rankings.
2: We can do the rankings.
1: All right. For our rankings, we are going to rank this film in five different categories. Our scale will be based on something that Bond holds dear and dear to his heart, as long as they are shaken and not stirred. So for each category, we will rank from one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night, our first category is just the story. Our overall feeling just toward the movie in mm, general.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, the story starts off great. I think it's. It, I, I I think that's a yeah. good idea. It's just that it's not executed for me. Like to fake his death, I just kind of oh. wish there was that it had it meant something more to the overall movie we
1: barely talked about that, by the way, that's a, that, that, yeah, go ahead.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the, you know, the, the fake death at the beginning, so that bond, so that people think bond is dead. Yeah. Feels like it should mean more to the movie overall. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't. And so therefore I'm kind of left cold on that. Um, uh, you know, I, I I like the I like the one scene where he he uh, he kills the assassin. He puts the mask over his face, and then he uh, yeah goes to that guy's car and the car and he drives to that Amato whatever chemical plant and all of that. Um, I mean, there's a couple of nice scenes here and there, but I think there's so many things in here that they're like we've got a we've got a fake Bond's death. We've also got to turn him into a Japanese person. We've got to make him a ninja. All these things should matter more, and they don't. And uh, especially making Bond a ninja doesn't make any sense, like at all. Like doesn't help him in the in the overall quest. Now you don't have to make everything fall in, but if you're going to dedicate a whole section to a ninja compound and and have that should matter more. And it doesn't. So a lot of these things. So ended up because there's like a couple of cool things. I'm gonna give this a two out of five.
1: Yeah, i have a two. Uh, I and, and and which is what I gave Thunderball. I probably should have given Thunderball. I was closer to a three. I think this one I'm actually closer to a two. But two and a half or whatever would be kind of the dead spot it would be like probably the perfect spot for it uh we didn't talk a lot about that opening though but that does play into the story because it's one of those things where there's really no suspense because we don't think bond's dead right and i can't imagine people in 1967 thought he was dead no um so you know and and then also since we've actually seen them kill bond spoiler alert we've already we'll, done that we'll from russia with love <laughs> oh and for Russia with love that's true yeah well, they they did a scene like that, and this isn't the last time they try to pull this crap off either. Mm-hmm. So uh, I find that kind of irritating. We also, honestly, we we kind of we kind of, and I don't want people to be irritated. We didn't touch on it because we did mention that they make Bond go undercover as an Asian person. I thought that was interesting because it played completely differently to me than I thought I would. I it it's still not a great choice because it really bear like you said it has no bearing on the overall story. Cause they find out so quickly that he's not Asian, but it was also kind of funny to me because all they did was they did some prosthetic eyebrow thing mm-hmm. and then they gave him a wig. I mean, that's basically like all they did at least for what I could tell. And he's, he kind of just looked like Mr. Spot. He kind of like spot. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's Japanese in this movie for about five minutes.
1: Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It's like, it's not there. And I mean, obviously, I, I totally get why people would be offended by that. Totally, totally get it. But at the same time, it's not like Mickey Rooney. Yeah, and he's
2: he's it's not, not it's not for a joke. Yeah, it's not for a joke, and he's not playing someone who like that a Japanese yes. actor he doesn't could change play. His accent. This or, is this yeah. is a case of this is a case of him actually trying to get a disguise. But yes. at the same time, it's just not used at all. No. I just, I just feel like if you're gonna do that, then you need to make it where he actually has to be Japanese to get into something. Yeah, and maybe it is, maybe it is that island that he's living on. But like we've said before, that island where he gets married and he gets, he has to, he has to take up housing and everything. All of that's resolved in one night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and and like I said, maybe they're. Maybe they're supposed. We're supposed to believe he's been there for longer, but like the fact that the funeral is happening, and then Mm -hmm. the very next morning, Mm -hmm. she's like, "Oh, that was that woman who was killed by the cave." So it's like it doesn't doesn't factor in. Like it sounds like a great idea for Bond for him to, you know, but it doesn't factor. So it just makes no sense.
1: It kind of feels just like uh, like a Mission Impossible mask. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of what it feels like. It's yeah. just one of these things, just for, hey, that'd be interesting. Let's make mom. But then they didn't have anywhere else to go with it. Yeah. But he does, he looks like Spock. Like, with, he kind of I mean, yeah. Sean Connery's like a big guy, so he's got big ears already. Mm-hmm. And then you put that little, like, short hair mm-hmm. cut thing on him. Oh, my God. It looks like Spock. It's hilarious. Yeah. I'm, I'm going with two mm-hmm. uh, as well. But I, I did want to mention those things because we didn't talk. We, we kind of touched on it, but didn't get too much into him. Um, in fact, the the thing that really t- turns me off, and it's early on, it's our first scene with Bond where he's in bed with that woman, and he makes a comment about like basically like how she tastes.
2: Yeah, why do Chinese <laughs> women taste different yeah, or whatever? So, and he they yeah. start st- speculating on what it's what the, they it's eat so and compares, things like, like
1: that. It's like it's like it's like having Peking duck versus having like a burger. I can't yeah, remember how he says it. It's really weird.
2: Yeah, really insane. Yeah. And then she says like, "You would like my
1: duck or something." Right. 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 Yeah. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, the bond which is Connery, I liked him better than I thought I would because in my mind I was thinking he was going to be kind of checked out, but he's he does fine. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not any. It's not. I would. This doesn't stand out to me, but it's also not bad. It's still Sean Connery, mm-hmm. so I, I would give this a three. But yeah, it's a I'd, very
2: borderline. I'd give him a three here, and I haven't yeah. I haven't really registered that he in the movies themselves he doesn't look like. I don't feel like it looks like he's super bored. Maybe some people are reading that. Yeah. But- I haven't gotten that yet. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe you know because behind the scenes he might have been bored yeah. that you're reading it on screen, but Yeah, probably so far, so far he seems about the same to me in all of these. There might be a little less humor and you alluded to the fact that he's not doing the flirting and all yeah. this like he used to uh he's not doing as many like one-liner jokes there's one really bad one-liner in here i can't remember i can't even remember what it was but i was like yeah that's pretty basic um uh but he's not doing a lot of that and they're and and all the stuff that they did in the earlier ones with the hat gag they do that in this one as well because there's the secret submarine that he gets (laughs) on and he throws his he throws his navy cap on it they do the hat gag on this but there's not as much, you know, like money penny stuff in this, and there's not like you no, know No,
1: that's like two movies in a row, too. Where Yeah. Like... So
2: so if there's anything to be read about it, I would say that they've they've cut out a lot of the silliness, I guess, mm-hmm. and they've and it and it seems like more serious and it seems like he's not having as much fun because the movie itself is not as much fun. So no. maybe that's what it is.
1: No. Well, it's, it's, which I'll talk about this in the book. It's a pretty, like, it's probably of the ones I've read so far. It's the darkest, Mm -hmm. uh, which I wouldn't say this is the darkest movie, but the book is really dark because he's just, he's kind of unhinged and just wants revenge. And it's just, it's really, it's not like, uh, it's not like a rah, rah, save the day, you know, England kind of thing. It's Mm -hmm. more, it's more dour and sad and depressing and, Anyways, uh, so I I think even with the movie trying to change things, maybe they didn't really change the character. So you've almost got like this kind of more brooding bond, but he's not in a situation where he should be. I don't know. There's all kinds of possibilities. Uh, So the villain and slash henchman, I mean, the villain is Blofeld. I, I I mean, Pleasance might be my favorite thing about the movie and might even be one of the main reasons I would recommend it outside of just how visually mm-hmm. appealing it is. Mm-hmm. But I still can't really go above a three just because of they, he's just so limited in um, mm-hmm. and, and what he can do. So
2: Yeah, d- like, don't be fooled by the fact that we finally get to see his face and all that. And this... Yeah. And this th- his plan in this movie is awful. <laughs> um, uh, as much as I like Donald Pleasant and as much as I like Blofeld and, yeah, and no, the terrible. whole thing, like none of this make like other than the piranha pool and all that. That's yeah. there's not much to 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 go on. And the henchman, like we talked about Helga in this, uh, doesn't have very much to do other no. than stupidly try to kill him after sleeping with him. Um and the and the other guy that well, uh that he uses a motto, I believe is is that his name? I can't remember what it is. Um that, that guy doesn't right. have much to do. Uh but yeah, well it, Helga's a good
1: point too because we had like such a badass female uh hench person. It's Osato.
2: I said a motto, yeah, a it's Osato. But we had um, such a
1: badass hench person in uh Thunderball. Like that was mm-hmm. one of the best things about Thunderball. And and nothing against Helga and the actress, but it's just not I don't know. I just, I just,
2: seem I, just like much. I just, I don't know if it's, it's probably just the modern day sensibility. I just, I get tired yeah. of these women who are like, I want to fuck Bond, but then I'm going to kill him later. Like yeah. that's it, like just, can can we just not have can we just have somebody who kills him and wants to kill him (laughs) right off the bat and i understand you have to save him you can't kill bond for real exactly but but you can we do something other than that all right so next is the gadget
1: slash gizmos i thought this was probably the most interesting batch of those so far i loved the cigarette gun yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh I, well, maybe it's not the best, but like I don't know. I just really like the cigarette gun. The, mm-hmm. the I guess the I guess you count the helicopter, which in you theory is kind the of fun. Mm-hmm. but I just don't really get that scene. But like, there's I just, not
2: much. Also, there's not much that they do with the helicopter. I mean, he uses the flamethrower and, uh, yeah. and, and he, there's like four other weapons, but I don't think he uses nearly all of them. That, that was a dangerous scene to film. And that's what I was going to
1: say. Then you find out how dangerous it was. And that really takes kind of some of it away too. And mm-hmm. like, there's like, I don't know that was worth it, but it's just one of those things too, where it's like somebody clearly just like, Hey, it'd be really cool to have like a small helicopter. It has nothing to do with anything. It yeah, doesn't even make a, a whole lot of sense why he has it.
2: There's even a point where uh the, the guy his handler like, "I'll give you my own helicopter." And 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 <laughs> they're so like, weird. "Nah, no, nah, no. Nah, we've got the small one. We brought in Q for this he very looks, purpose." He looks
1: so ridiculous
2: in it too cuz he's yeah. so big. Right. Like I understand like I can understand if the if the small helicopter in some ways was hard to see on radar or something like that. But there's instantly four helicopters yeah. on him as he's going around that volcano. Exactly. So that, so, I, so there's really no point in it being a small one.
1: So I ended up going with a two on this one. I, yeah. I almost kind of want to get rid of this. We might get rid of this category because I don't think it's as interesting as I thought no, it was no, be. No, no,
2: the gadgets, I think, get
1: good later, I think so maybe. Too. Yeah, they get a little better. I, mean, they're, yeah, they're I would probably silly. give
2: it a two as well.
1: And then the song... Uh, which is You Only Live Twice mm-hmm. by uh, uh, Nancy Sinatra is doing yep. the, uh, the vocals. Who's mm-hmm. That's Frank Sinatra's daughter, right? think so. Sister, daughter? I think it's his daughter. This
2: is my sister and my
1: daughter. <laughs> I was just wondering because she is, yeah, eldest daughter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And her mom's name was Nancy. I mm. So I guess I most know her for, uh, uh, what is it, these boots are made for walking. hmm Yeah. Uh,
2: is, that, is that right? What? Is that what she did? She did that. Nancy Sinatra did that. Now you got me. These boots are made for walking.
1: I think. I think she at least did a version of it. Nancy Sinatra, yeah. These boots are made for walking. Okay. okay. Yeah, and then Jessica Simpson, of course, covered it in Dukes mm-hmm. of Hazard. So yep. you know.
2: Yeah, she did notably. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh,
1: the song's okay. Like I said, it's a lot better than Thunderball. Well, it's better than Thunderball, but it's still not anywhere near what this is they become this is
2: one where the singing isn't very like it's not her it's not Nancy That it's it's the lyrics in this and the song like those that none of the singing part does anything for me the orchestra part is very famous and well known and like and like is 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 great um because it does that whatever it is i and i'm not it's, it's got it's got a great like instrument uh section for this so i like that part and then they they wisely like use parts of it in the movie where it's not the singing and everything but so based on the instruments and the orchestra behind it i would give this a three which is probably too high for this song because the song itself is not memorable like Mm -hmm. the you know the lyrics and everything like that if you just give me the the instrument instrumental of this i'm i'm down so
1: I agree. I agree. I am. It'd probably be more like a two and a half, but yeah, I'll, I'll give mm-hmm. it a three. I, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely not a uh, one that I'm going to think about, but I agree. No. The orchestral, the orchestra, the, the John Barryness of it is, uh, mm-hmm. is very good. That man is very talented. Um, mm-hmm. all right. So that was our kind of feelings on the movie as a whole. Those were our rankings for our fun categories. And next we will go at, well, and lastly, I guess, Uh, we will go to a section called the spy who reads me
2: reading is one of my very favorite things to do
3: whoa I'm not reading that crap summarize it in one word now you want to talk about reading let's talk about reading how can
1: you read this there's no pictures cinema sins might have taught you that the book doesn't matter but for this segment we're willing to concede it at least kind of does we are going to give you the nitty-gritty on what is similar to what you saw on the screen what it's different and there will be plenty of what the hell was Ian Fleming smoking when he wrote this uh pretty much nothing is the same. This this is the first mm-hmm. book where they took the title, they used the setting, but then they could, they didn't really do much else. And they really couldn't because, and like I said, I'm going to have to get a little more, I'll get more into detail about this next week. When we talk about honor, Majesty's secret service, but because this book followed honor, Majesty's secret service, there is something that happens at the end of honor, Majesty's secret service that greatly affects bond. And so in this book, that's what you're dealing with. He's depressed. He's not really wanting to do anything. Uh MI6 and especially Elm are tired mm-hmm. of him and are 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 trying I, and this is a confusing part of the book because I mean it feel I feel like they could just fire him, but they're trying mm-hmm. to like they're trying to find like basically like almost like like just stick him somewhere where he can't really cause any trouble and maybe he'll get so tired of it he just quits on his own. It's kind of one of those mm-hmm. things. So they send mm-hmm. him to Japan, which this ends up becoming a revenge mission because when he gets to Japan, uh, he's supposed to be gathering Intel. so that that aspect of it is correct. but there's nothing about space or anything like that. It's this uh, it's this decoding apparatus called magic um, mm-hmm. and uh, that he needs to go get some Intel on. But when he gets to Japan, there's uh, The Japanese authorities say, while you're here, we need this person assassinated. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I'm pretty pissed right now, so I'll just go kill somebody. Sure. Uh, and for him, and the character's name is Dr. Shatterhand. I I really mm-hmm. want to know how mm-hmm. long Fleming thought about that. Of course, Fleming probably mm-hmm. wasn't feeling great at this point in his life because he, he doesn't mm-hmm. live much longer. Uh, Dr. Shatterhand ends up being Blofeld. And Blofeld mm-hmm. has a lot to do with why James Bond is really upset. And so, uh, James Bond and I will go ahead and give the book away since we're talking about the book, but uh Blofeld gets killed uh in the book. And uh hmm. it's a uh, it's dark, man. Bond is just like strangling him for what feels like 24 hours,
2: and 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 again, you're not spoiling, but this is based on what happens in On Her Majesty's Secret Service the, the, that he does Why this. he's
1: so irritated, why he's just mm-hmm. so distraught and just can't, you know, function. Um, mm-hmm. and so he uh he kills Blofeld. Uh, the, the only other thing I want to mention is there's this thing at the and I haven't read the book that follows this, which I think maybe is Octopussy, I can't remember but uh, I'm really interested to see what they followed this up with. So towards the end of the book, like in the, in the process of him killing Blofeld, he gets knocked on the head and he gets amnesia. So at the end oh, of the okay. book, the book ends on him being a, he thinks he's a farmer or something. and okay. he like He's like, okay. he's basically going to stay back in Japan and just become a farmer. Cause he can't hmm. remember anything anyways. Uh, He's with um uh what did we say was it Kissy yeah he's with Kissy Suzuki who is like one of the characters that's actually in the movie Kissy I think it's Bond Blofeld and Kissy I think I think maybe that Tanaka's in the book too I didn't write that down but I'm pretty sure he is but I know Kissy's in there uh, and then we also find out and since Bond is am has amnesia he doesn't know about this but we also find out that she's pregnant uh, mm-hmm. with what we assume is is his child it it this book feels like when i was reading this book the thing i noticed most about it is that they pulled stuff i think from this book for at least or they pulled some ideas for for daniel craig this feels mm-hmm. very much in the same vein as the mm-hmm. craig films yeah and so it really felt like this was one they probably were looking at and on her majesty secret service and kind of taking some of those aspects and then putting them into like casino Royale uh, Mm -hmm. and kind of making that part of the Vesper Lynn character. Uh, That's kind of how it felt while I was reading this. It's uh, I don't agree with doll. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it, I mean, but I will say he mentions that it's like a travel log. There's a lot of like, just like, I feel like, like uh Fleming just took a course in Japanese culture or something. Uh, I mean there's so much description in this
3: mm-hmm. about
1: just Japanese culture and and stuff like that. It kind of almost felt like I don't know if you ever read Rising Sun, the Michael Crichton novel. They made I did. Yeah, that it felt a lot like that because that novel really digs into like the way like Japanese like you know businessmen and stuff mm-hmm. act with each other and so like that. that kind of that's kind of how this felt so but mm-hmm. it's very different it's it's uh like I said it's just everything about this novel is different just even like the tone of it's just it's much darker it's all about revenge and uh and that's pretty much the whole book it's a real quick read though like this is probably the mm-hmm. fastest I read uh any of the mm-hmm. books I think I just read it like in an afternoon um, well,
2: and strangely enough, Rising Sun starred Sean Connery. That's true. I didn't even think move. about that until now. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. main
1: thing I've never seen that movie again uh, yeah. since the theater. The only thing I remember about that is they changed the killer, which was dumb. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it, and it made no sense because everything else they did was the same, but mm-hmm. they just made this other person the killer. Which yeah. So thank you guys for joining us this week. We hope you will join us again next week when we will talk about On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which Mm -hmm. is not Connery, but Connery's not gone. He'll be back, but we will be talking about uh, George Lazenby, who is kind of an interesting individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that'll be fun to talk about. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, You can reach us on Twitter. Uh, We are at GoldSpy007. You can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at Loomis 13 You can email us at GoldDiamondDeath007 at gmail.com. And if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSense brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at Patreon.com slash CinemaSense. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. So until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off. We'll see you next mission.